0: I love church. I've been in church my whole life, and there is nowhere else I'd rather be on a Sunday morning or any day, other day of the week, and that's why I became a preacher, because I just wanted to be in church all the time. <laughs> so are you, are you glad to be here? You love church? Amen. You know, I'm the new guy on the block, and uh, already, just being here a short time, I'm already growing in my love. For this church, you know, I don't just love church as a whole, but I'm already coming to love this church. And church is people, you know that a church is really just the people that are in it. And so uh, I love those of you that I've met so far. And if I haven't met you yet, please come and meet me. I promise I'm a nice guy. I won't bite. I won't be rude. I'll be really nice. You'll you'll probably like me. I hope you like me. Well, anyways, come and meet me if you haven't yet. I'd love to love to get to know you. So. Praise the Lord. Well, I get the pleasure of uh, preaching this morning. You know, this is my first time being um, the incoming pastor here to preach. And so I have great expectation this morning. I I hope you do, too. Well, today... um, You know, I was thinking about what to preach, and um, one of the things I love about the Word is that it's so comprehensive. You know, the Word has every answer that we would need. It's got encouragement when we need encouragement. It's got doctrine when we need to know what to believe. But the Word is also very applicable. It's applicable to our life. And so this morning, I felt like I should preach something applicable, because that was one of the things that always helped me the most, is when a Word was applicable. Like, I could leave church, and I had something, I could go, and I could, you know, do something with it. And I think that's how the word ought to be. And so um, I just wanted to tell you, you know, being the new person, I, I felt some pressure this week. What am I going to preach first? It's kind of people are going to be feeling me out. Oh, I'm not going back to when he's preaching because he just, he just reamed us the whole Sunday. No, that's not how I am. All right. There's, there's going to be words of encouragement, words of doctrine, but also words of application. And so I just want to encourage you this morning that those, this is an applicable word. It is totally the Bible, and it's totally for us. It's totally for today. So let's go and see what the Word has to say. Um, This morning, what I want to talk to you about is the stewardship of your soul. Now, we've probably heard the word steward before. I know I've heard it many times preached in the context of an offering message or about giving. You know, we're stewards of finances. That's one of the first things I think of when I hear the word stewardship. But really, we're, we're to be stewards of all the things that God's given us. And I know this, God's given us everything we have. You know, anything good in your life right now is on loan from the king on the throne. Amen. Amen. We're, we're just operating with the goodness that God's given us. And we're stewards of all the things we have. You know, parents, you're stewards of your kids. You're stewards of the finances that God gives you. You're, you're to be stewards of intellect and, and even gifts and talents that God would put in your life to use here on earth, and we're stewards of our soul too. And so this morning, that's what I want to talk about. And and it was just so perfect because this morning when we were out in the, the lobby before church, by the way, if you don't come early ever, you should do that sometime because we have such a great time out there. The whole hour before service, we're drinking coffee and chatting about things. This morning, um, it was... Donna and I, and I think there were a couple others out there as well, we were talking about the football games from this weekend, and everybody was taking jabs at grandpa because Minnesota lost. (laughs) Yeah, you thought you were going to get away from that, didn't you? (laughs) New preacher, no more Minnesota, well. (laughs) So we were talking about football this morning, and Donna just, she said something that I thought was so good, and it totally fit with the message today, or the direction we're going, was that people are so fickle with their emotions, she goes, we were at the Iowa State game on Saturday, and everybody was about to leave completely just on a low. They were going to go out and be just upset and, and go home and cry and do the things that ISU fans do when they lose. <laughs> <laughs> and she goes, but then they came back, and everything changed. Everybody's emotions, they were excited, they were, they were joyful, they were high-fiving like, It's just there was a big change. And I thought, man, how how is it that we are so fickle all the time? As people, I mean, I, I just think we can be that way sometimes where we're up and then we're down. You know, our feelings are one way and then they're another way. Even our minds, you know, we can be thinking about one thing and then something changes and we're headed a whole different direction. We have this back and forth thing. And I know that the word has answers for us when it comes to our soul. So this morning the first thing I want to do is talk about me and my soul About you and your soul About us and our souls And 1 Thessalonians 5.23 is where I want to go to look at that first So we'll pull that up on the screen If you have a Bible, get it out and get ready to get it hot We're going to be doing some turning today, All right, We're going to warm those Bibles up Knock the dust off the pages 1 Thessalonians 5.23 says Now may the God of peace make you holy in every way and may your whole spirit, soul, and body be kept blameless until the Lord Jesus Christ comes again. And so we see three parts there spirit, soul, and body. I, I know what I was always taught, and I think this may have originated with my grandma or my grandpa, and so maybe you've heard this too. We are a spirit, we have a soul, and we live in a body. Our spirit is the real us, our soul. It's something we have, it's, it's part personality, it's, it's our decision-making area, it's uh, our thought, our mind, will, emotions, that's the soul part of us, and then we live in a body. It's the, the thing we see right here, what you're looking at up on stage right now, well this is my body, but this isn't who I really am, the real me is on the inside, the real me is a spirit who has a soul, and I just live in this body. This, this is just a way for me to do what God wants me to do in the earth. The real me is on the inside, amen. And so we, we are a spirit, we have a soul, and we live in a body. The other thing in 1 Thessalonians 5.23 that I thought was so good is it says, Now may the God of peace himself sanctify you completely. May God himself sanctify you completely. God wants to make you whole. all right. And we're talking about today something that's applicable, something that we can do something with. all right. But the truth is nothing we do is ever going to make us complete in and of itself. We can, we can apply what God's already given us in life, and that's going to cause us to become more whole. It's going to cause us to become more Christ-like. But if we just try to do it out of our own power, out of our own strength, out of our own thoughts, we're not going to get anywhere. It's, it's God himself who sanctifies us, who makes us complete, who makes us whole, who makes us righteous, who makes us more like Jesus. It's God who does it. And so uh, I want to... Set the context today before we go on and preach about stewarding our soul. I want you to realize that everything that we could do to to manage our soul well, to steward our soul well, it all has to be done within the context of knowing that God's the source, that it's God's grace that makes a way for this to happen. It's God's power applied in my life that's going to steward my soul well. He gives me the direction. But it's his direction I have to follow and not my own. And so that's, that's where we're headed this morning. So we have a spirit, um, or I'm sorry, we are a spirit, have a soul, live in a body. Um, I had a couple quotes here that I thought were really good. Uh, the first one is, your cooperation with God is determined by your soul. So first here, before we talk about how to steward the soul, we want to get an idea of what our soul is, what it does in us, all right? Because if we are a spirit, but we have a soul, then we need to know what the soul part does. So your cooperation with God is determined by your soul. Uh, kind of to elaborate on that, I would say what you're doing in life, it needs to start with your spirit becoming alive in Christ. That's, that's where you get God's grace that you can apply. Um, but then it's determined by your soul lining up with what God's done. And so the soul is the decision making part of you. Your spirit is who you really are. It's your your true identity. It's the part of you that gets born again in Christ. But your soul is the part of you that makes decisions. Your soul is the part of you that thinks about things. Your soul is the part of you that feels things, emotions. It's your mind, it's your will, that part that determines what you're going to do. And so this is the soul part. And so our spirit, when it gets connected to Jesus again by receiving Jesus, you know, we get born again, it's a new creation. Our spirit gets renewed, it gets alive again. And that's a wonderful thing. But we then have to choose to line our soul up with our new spirit. Let's look at Romans 8, verse 5 and 8. I'm going to prove this out in the Word for you. I think that's a good thing to do, don't you? To look at the Word and see what it says. Romans 8, 5 and 8 says this. Those who are dominated by the sinful nature think about sinful things. But those who are controlled by the Holy Spirit think about things that please the Spirit. So letting your sinful nature control your mind leads to death, but letting the Spirit control your mind leads to life and peace. For the sinful nature is always hostile to God. It never did obey God's laws and it never will. That's why those who are still under the control of their sinful nature can never please God. And so what we see here is a contrast between a spirit nature and a sinful nature. Another way, uh, another way we could say that is a spiritual nature versus a fleshly nature. Uh, the, the part of you that uh, because you're born into the world, okay, when you first are born, you're, you're born into the world. And because the world fell when Adam and Eve sinned, we're, we're born with a sinful nature. But praise God, when we accept Jesus, that old part of it dies and we get a new spirit that's alive unto God. And so when we become born again, we are given a decision because now we don't just have the one sinful nature choice. We don't just have a flesh choice, but we're given two choices. Don't you like choices? Do you like choices? I do. And so you get a choice. And now your soul has to look at these two natures and say, am I going to go along with the spirit or am I going to continue with the flesh? You know, this is this is what I know. This is what I'm familiar with. This is what I've lived up to now in my life with. But then there's this spirit thing, and that looks kind of good. There might be some good stuff in that spirit nature for me, too. And so our soul is the the guiding part that says, which will you choose? Which of these two natures will you live your life by? And the truth is, I I think sometimes uh, in in kind of evangelical ministry where we've tried to go out and reach other people, we've maybe even missed some things there because we say, just be good. Just act like a Christian. Well, someone in the world can't because they don't have the option. They haven't gotten uh, the choices. They just have the one choice. They just have the flesh nature. But when the spirit nature comes, we, we get a decision. We can say, I'm going to pursue that rather than the flesh. And so the question is really, what controls you? Is it spirit nature? Is it, is it flesh nature? And this is something we see in the Old Testament with the children of Israel. Because when they came out of Egypt, now they had options. You know, when they lived in Egypt and they were slaves... To Pharaoh and the Egyptians, they had one way to live. They had one identity, and that was slave. But when they were delivered, come on now, delivered, we're delivered, amen. When they were delivered, they got a second option. They, they, they had a choice. We can continue living like slaves, or we can live in this new freedom that God's given us. We can live like free people, like people empowered by God. And, and so they, they went out, and What we saw with them is they kept choosing the wrong nature. And that's a soul problem. That's bad stewardship of their soul. Because they kept directing to the wrong thing. And so it it led them down a a bad path. Obviously we saw that. You know, then uh, they came up to the promised land and they sent the 12 spies in. And 10 of those spies, we saw their souls were, you know, they were focused on the natural on the flesh, on this slave nature. Rather than we're free people empowered by God. But we saw two people who had that. And so there's a choice to make. We see that there is a difference. And, and in Romans eight 5-8 through 8 here, we, we see words where it says those who are dominated by, those who are controlled by, these, these different natures. And so we see the nature that we choose is going to make a difference on how our life lives. We have to hook up to the right source if we want the right uh, product in our life. And so we have to make that choice each and every one of us do. Another scripture I want to look at is Colossians 3 verse 2. It says, think about the things of heaven, not the things of earth. I think this, you know, it kind of takes Romans 8 and just squeezes it down into one sentence. Think about heaven things instead of earth things. This can be about priorities, where your priorities are at, are they on heaven things or are they on the earth things? It, it can be about what, what upsets you do heavenly things upset you or do earthly things upset you? I wasn't going to tell this story, but uh, last week, my dog ran away. And, and I've had him for a couple years. I, I got him when he was a puppy, and so he ran off last week. And I had a choice to make in my soul. Because everyone else around me, well, not everyone, but a few people around me who are also very familiar with my dog, they were very upset. And their souls were just in torment. I mean, they had no peace about it. And I had this decision to make. I said, I can either go with the earthly things or I can think on heavenly things instead. instead. And that was a soul decision. It was about mind. It was about will and, and suppressing negative emotions and favoring what God has said about it. Well, I know God said, I am, am your God of peace. And so I know I have peace in God. And then I thought too, this, this is just where my mind went and where I chose to go and think was, you know, when I get to heaven one day, even if my dog doesn't come back, I thought, me having that dog probably isn't going to get anybody saved. So maybe it's not that important. Maybe I shouldn't get out of peace just, just because I have an opportunity to be upset. Maybe, maybe I shouldn't you know, get all upset and, and be mad about this and, and let my attitude be ruined for the week just because this happened. Because there is a heavenly, a heavenly nature to think about. Heavenly things that are a higher priority than my dog coming home. You know, and so we have those choices every day. What are we thinking on? What are we putting our soul to? What, what are our emotions being directed by? Are they heavenly things? Are they earthly things? And so the way I think about this too is like, it's, it's like hitting a reset button. You know, we're going to look at uh, Romans 12, 1 and 2 here in a second. And, and it shows us this, but just some natural examples. Like when you, when you install... a a new computer software or an upgrade on your computer, you have to restart it for it to work, don't you? Because you can download the upgrade, but if you don't restart the system, if you don't reboot, it's going to keep running the old program. Well, we have to do the same thing in our life. When God puts something new in us that's a new nature kind of thing, we have to hit reset so that that new thing can work in us. If we don't hit renew and refresh in our mind, then we're just going to keep on going with the old system. And the old system's broken. We want something that works in life. And so we got to do that. And and, I mean, if we wanted to continue going with the football thing, we could say that too. You know, program brings in a new coach, but they have the old coach standing right there. And they say, you keep calling all the shots. Program's not going to change it all, is it? you got to make the change. you got to do a reset if you're going to see the, the product of that new thing come out in life. So let's look at Romans 12, 1 and 2. It says, And so, dear brothers and sisters, I plead with you to give your bodies to God because of all that He's done for you. Let them be a living and holy sacrifice, the kind He will find acceptable. This is truly the way to worship Him. Man, that, that challenges your worship, doesn't it? When, when you say... God says, live your life in a way that pleases me. That's true worship. Man, that, that steps up what our mindset of worship is. If, if you're thinking worship is just coming in and making it through a few songs on Sunday morning, man, you got a ways to go in worship. Because <laughs> he says, live your life so that it pleases me. Man, worship isn't a once a week thing. It's an every single day lifestyle kind of way to live. So then he goes on, he says, don't copy the behavior and the customs of this world, but let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. And so there we see this, this, like what we were saying earlier, it's God's power. God's the one that does the change. God's the one that does the transformation. But it's by changing the way you think. The way we apply God's transforming power in life is by changing the way we use our soul, by changing the way we think, by by changing the way we deal with emotions when they come, by changing what we set our will on each and every day. That is how God's power is applied in life. And and for a long time, I got confused about this because I'd hear these messages of just let God, just let God, and I'd say, okay, I'm letting him. But my letting him was just waiting, waiting passively. For him to do something. God calls us co-laborers in the work he wants to do in our life. That means we have a part of work to do as well. Amen. God's got the power. He's going to be the one that does it. But we have to agree. We have to go along with him. Or, or he's unable to do what he wants to do. And so it takes us, um, well, submitting and saying yes to what God wants. And then being willing to do what he says to do. You know, there's, there's a big difference between... Um, Someone telling you, you, you should do this. And you say, yeah, okay. And then you never do it. That, that's kind of how my attitude has been with God before. It's like, yeah, all right. I'm going to keep doing what I do. It's take, it takes saying yes and then applying what he's said to do. And so let God transform you by changing the way you think. So that tells me we have a part in, in the change God wants to do. When, when he wants to bring life and wholeness into us, we have a part in that. Praise the Lord. Aren't you glad you have a part in it? Yes. Aren't you glad it's not completely like out of your hands in every single way? You, you get a part. Hallelujah. That's responsibility. You got to love responsibility, don't you? Let's look at um, 3 John 1 verse 2. So we've talked a little bit about the soul now. Let's talk uh, just for a few minutes about stewardship. Okay, I want to show you some things on stewardship. Like I said, I've, I've always heard this term preached about, you know, finances and and giving and things like that. Well, stewardship goes beyond your pocketbook. Stewardship is is a principle for every single part of your life. And so 3 John 1 verse 2 says, Dear friend, I hope all is well with you and that you are as healthy in body as you are strong in spirit. And my verse or my translation, I'm sorry, Sean, I gave you the wrong translation. But um, in the New King James, it reads, Beloved, I pray that you may prosper in all things and be in health. So we want prosperity. God wants us to be prosperous. He wants us to be healthy in our body. And then he says, just as your soul prospers. Just as your soul prospers. That tells me that God wants our soul to prosper. God wants our soul to be healthy. God doesn't want us mentally drained, mentally fatigued, mentally ill. God wants us healthy in soul. Healthy in emotions and feelings. Healthy in, in how we determine to do things. God wants us strong and healthy on the inside, as well as he does on the outside. You know, a prosperous life isn't just I've got enough money to put food on the table. A prosperous life is I have peace of mind. I'm, I'm calm on the inside. You know, I, I, I'm, not, I'm not swayed. I, I'm not fickle when Iowa State almost loses. I can stay true, I can stay consistent, I can continue thinking about heavenly things because my soul is healthy too. And so our soul's health, we have a part in it. We have a stewardship element of it. Luke 16.10 says, He who is faithful in what is least is faithful also in much. And he who is unjust in what is least is unjust in much also. And again, we, we hear that preached about stewardship. you got to be faithful with the little, and then you know, God will bless you with more. And praise the Lord, He does. It's true of your soul, too. When you're faithful to, to steward your soul well, well, you can grow. Your soul can get more healthy. Your, your soul gets stronger. The, the way you think, your intellect can grow stronger when you're healthy with it. The, the way you feel and deal emotionally can grow stronger. It's a, it's a stewardship principle. And so that's kind of the, the intro to stewardship of the soul. And now I want to give you some applicable things. I told you we were going to get to the applicable today. And so I've got a three-step process. Who likes, who likes processes? Who likes some steps to take? All right. Well, here's step one of growing in soul stewardship. It's kind of a tongue twister almost. Soul stewardship. Step one is to get your mind in line with the spirit. And that's really what we've, we've talked about thus far, is if we're going to be healthy in soul, if we're going to manage our soul well, we have to line it up with heavenly things. Think on things of heaven, not on things of earth. When we get our soul, our mind, will, and emotions focused on heaven rather than what's going on around us, our soul is going to be managed well. In a better way than it is otherwise. You know, I heard it described this way one time. They said, the world is loud. The world is loud. It's hard to stay focused on what's right living in the world because the world's loud. It draws your attention each and every day. There are are so many variables. I mean, walk into most houses in America today and it's like you got... (laughs) I mean, not, not to hate on social media, but like Facebook on everybody's phone and not all the news there is good. You got news channels on the TV. Most of that information isn't good. You've got, you've got music, you've got activities, you've got community things, you've got school things. Everything is competing for your attention. Everything is competing for your emotion, your thought, your, your willpower, your decision-making power. The world is loud. The world wants your attention, but when we think on heavenly things, man, we've got, we've got something that keeps us centered. We've got something that keeps us focused. We've got a way to push beyond all the noise, all the loud in the world, and we can stay focused on Jesus. Praise the Lord. And so we've got to be faithful with our soul. You know, I, I, then what that looks like for us is I think about what God thinks about. I, I want what God wants. It's making this change where it's not about what's going on around. It's it's I'm thinking what God's thinking. I want with life what God wants. I care about the things that God cares about, like like my dog. I'm not saying God doesn't care about, you know, little dogs or anything, but he probably cares a whole lot more about the people around me than he does about, you know, a little puppy that ran away. And Praise the Lord. He cares about that, too. But his priorities are different than than earth priorities, it's saying my priorities are God's priorities. It's saying I believe what God says above what other people say. Amen. I believe that the word is true above anything else that people say is truth. It's, it's I'm focused on what God says. I'm taking God's soul and making it mine. I'm taking God's mind, will, and emotions and making them my own. And so a word on will and emotions, how to get them in line with God too. I think if we go to Matthew 26, 38, we see this. This is Jesus just before he went to be crucified on the cross. He says, he told them, my soul is crushed with grief to the point of death. Stay here and keep watch with me. Even Jesus had to line his soul up with the father. Let me tell you, I think when Jesus was getting ready to go to the cross, his feelings had to be tough. I mean, he had to be feeling some very, very difficult things to feel. I think, you know, we talked about will actually last time I was here in the spring. We talked about willpower. His will, I don't think in an earthly way, the man part of him, I don't think he wanted to go die on the cross. But the spirit nature in him said, that's God's plan. So I'm going to do it. He had to get his thinking in line with God's thoughts, which is, you know, I, this is for the world. This is bigger than me. This is beyond me. That's a, that's a thought pattern we have to take. It, it was I'm I'm going to work through these feelings. I, I'm I'm going to let God bring me peace, and God did because we see when He went to the cross, there was not another moment of question in Jesus. There was opportunity for Him to get out. We know that uh, the disciples they said you could call down legions of angels and destroy all of these uh, Romans, and He said no, that's not the plan. That's not the Father's will for this. I'm not going to let my man emotions derail what God wants to do. He stewarded his soul. He got his soul under new management, which was God's management. Amen. And so it's, it's getting your mind, your will, and your emotions in line with what the Father would say. <clears throat> and I think um, another thing where we can maybe relate this to life, it, it, it's kind of like becoming employed by somebody. You know, has anybody in here ever had a job? Amen. I've had a couple jobs. And what I've seen play out in, in the workplace is so many times the best workers are the ones whose souls are in line with their bosses. They think the way the boss thinks. They, they care about the things that the boss cares about. You know, when they see customers, they... they try, maybe it's not to the same degree, but they try to feel for the customer what the boss would feel for the customer. I remember working for a guy um, when I was in high school. He was a farmer and he ran like a pumpkin ranch kind of thing. And it was probably still to this day one of my favorite jobs I ever had. And it was because, it wasn't because the work was so great. I mean, we were throwing hay bales and stuff. I mean, I've had easier jobs than working on the farm. Anybody who's worked on a farm knows that that's true. There are easier jobs than working out on the farm. But the reason it was one of my favorites was because my soul lined up with his soul. I cared about the same things he cared about. I could feel about his business the the way he felt about it. And the reason that that came and the reason that Jesus had his soul in line with the Father's was because of proximity. It's because Jesus got close to God. When his soul was in chaos... He went to the Father. He got close to his Father. And when he did that, he he had peace. When he did that, his soul was lined right back up. And it's the same way in the workplace. Honestly, when we get close and we get to spend time learning the mind, will, and emotions of of those that we submit to, we're going to line up with them. We're going to develop a care for the work that we wouldn't have otherwise. We're going to develop a desire to do it well that we wouldn't have otherwise. So praise the, praise the Lord, this is, this is true in all areas of our life. stewarding the soul. You know, it's not just a spiritual thing, it's a very natural thing, it's a very applicable thing. And so uh, the first part of stewarding our soul is lining it up with what God would say. And then the second step to growing in soul stewardship is to stay away from the things that war against the soul. So we're going to look at some scriptures here about things that war against the soul. The first one is 1 Peter 2 verse 11. And while you're turning there, I'm going to tell you a little story. When I was in middle school, me and my uh, younger brother, Max, we used to go outside and we would play uh, like hide-and-seek tag. All right? And we had a pretty good-sized yard, and so we'd run all over the place. We'd get in and hide, and then he'd come and find me, and we'd you know, play tag and run after each other. Well, we had this bush out front, and, and I mean, I don't know what kind it was, but it was this nice rounded bush, and it had all of these um, sticks or, or branches running up from the ground, and then it was like hollow on the inside, Okay, so it made the bush on the outside and then the inside of it was kind of hollow. So I thought that'd be just the perfect spot to hide. And so I went in there, crawled in and chucked myself away, you know, got all over the bush and the leaves and all that stuff. Well, he never did find me. And we, we got done with our game. We went inside and I went to sleep that night and I was itching like you wouldn't believe. I woke up the next morning red from the top of my head to the bottom of my feet, covered in poison ivy. (laughs) <laughs> and and uh, you may know if you've been in the church for some time That our, our family takes a yearly trip to Okaboji. Well that trip was about a week away And this poison ivy was so bad I had to go in and get medical steroids To like reduce the inflammation I mean it was like serious stuff And what I kept thinking after that was Why didn't dad warn me That there was poison ivy in that bush <laughs> I wouldn't have gone in there if I had known. And I think in the Word, God has scriptures where he's put a giant warning sign and said, do not go here because you're going to come out covered in something you don't want to be covered in. So we're going to look at a few of those. Avoid the things that war against your soul. There are things that will they'll be like poison ivy on your soul and you will not like it when it's there. So when we see this warning sign, we got to run the other way. 1 Peter 2:11 says, "Dear friends, I warn you as temporary residents and foreigners of earth because we're children of heaven, we belong in heaven. I warn you as temporary residents and foreigners to keep away from worldly desires that wage war against your very souls." goes back to this heaven-minded, earth-minded thing. Spirit nature, flesh nature. There are desires in the world that are going to cause war against your soul. And we're going to look at a few specific examples. Um, but, but I think the problem is sometimes we think we can have a little bit of both. It's like, you know, I can enjoy some things. In the, and, and look, you should enjoy life. God wants your life here to be happy and healthy and prosperous. He does. But we need to be warned and aware of the things that cause Damage in our soul. The things that will destroy us in our mind, will, and our emotions. We need, we need to think about the things that we're getting around. we got to think about what bush we're crawling into. Because there is a, there's potential that you know it's, it's not going to take away your salvation, but it might really damage your soul. It might really cause your mind to get messed up. It might really cause your emotions to get messed up. It might really damage your willpower. If you go somewhere, you're not supposed to go. And the problem is if, if we have a little bit of both, well, my spirit's saved and I'm going to heaven. Well, praise the Lord, you are, but you're not living the life God wants for you on earth. See, because Jesus bought heaven on earth for us. Amen. He wants us to have a life better than what everyone else has. And there are things we'll deal with, sure. Yeah, there, there are going to be trials and difficult things through life on earth. But God wants us to live a heaven kind of life. He wants us to experience that right now. And so when we stay away from these things that we're warned about, it's going gonna, it's gonna to benefit us greatly. It's going to help our soul to grow and prosper and flourish. And so Mark 8.36 kind of drives this point home too. You've, you've likely heard this before. It's, and what do you benefit if you gain the whole world but lose your own soul? And, you know, we could, we could keep that just as a general point of you don't want to, you know, run after worldly things. You want to focus on God things. But I think, too, something we can take away from the scripture is you can get lost in the chase. Man, if you, if you give your life to chasing the wrong thing, you're going to lose pieces of your soul. You know, when, when you're chasing success in the world, you're going to give up part of your soul to do that. When you're chasing God, It's fullness. He fulfills your soul. He fulfills your mind, will, and emotions. So you got to chase the right thing. I I just, I guess I think there are a lot of different things. We have a lot of options to chase. There are a lot of places we can run to, a lot of things we can chase. I worked with youth for a couple years, and something I found is a lot of young people chase relationships. You know, they run. It's like life's purpose is to get a boyfriend or a girlfriend or to get married, you know, and it's the wrong thing to chase you're going to lose parts of your soul chasing that, just like you would lose parts of your soul chasing money. And there are other things you can lose it for too. Entertainment, if that's what you're chasing with your whole life, if that's what it's all about, you're going to lose part of your soul. Chasing entertainment. I, I mean, anything that you put a wrong priority on and give your life to pursuing, well, you're going to, you're going to lose part of your soul. It's not going to take away your salvation, but it may take away pieces of, of your soul health. And so to steward our souls well, we have to chase after Jesus first. Hebrews 10, 39, it says, But we're not like those who turn away from God to their own destruction. We are the faithful ones whose souls will be saved. This tells me as long as we keep our face towards Jesus, our souls will be saved. You know, when we turn, and and, I mean, it it really just, it's a continuation of the last scripture we read. If we're chasing something besides him, we're giving ourselves over to destruction in our soul. We're we're giving the enemy an opportunity to get us in our mind, our will, or our emotions. He can mess up our thought. He can mess up our our emotions, you know, get us feeling all crazy about things. I think where we start seeing chaos come into life is when we look away from Jesus. You know, and it's almost kind of... um, Contrary to what we might think, because you would think like, well, if I'm facing Jesus, then the devil could run up behind me and get me. No, it can't, because Jesus watches over you and he keeps you safe. And so, so we got to keep our eyes on Jesus. We have to stay focused on him. That's really the, the number one key to keeping our soul well, to stewarding our soul well, is to let, let Jesus do it by focusing on him. And the the truth about that is we don't have to have every single little detail figured out. You know, when I used to sit in church and and the preacher would preach to me and everything, I'd say, well, just give me a list of what I'm supposed to do. And then I'll do it and it'll work. You know, like, I mean, I wanted exacts. It was like, tell me to do this or not to do this. Tell me, you know, where to go here or, or, or what to say in this situation and I'll just do it. Well, that's, that's really the law, and we don't want the law in our life. We, we don't want the list of do's and don'ts. We want the Holy Spirit to tell us what's right and what's not right. And, and he'll do that in your life. If, if you listen and you make yourself self available to hear it, the Holy Spirit will tell you where that poison ivy bush is at. He'll say, get away from this. Don't do it. Has anybody ever felt that on the inside? Get away from this. Don't do it. It's not worth it. You know, for a while I'd hear that and I'd think, yeah, but like, what's the big deal? I mean, I'm still saved. Well, you can still be saved and be missing part of your soul. But God wants you to be complete, spirit, soul, and body. Him who sanctifies you completely, spirit, soul, and body. He doesn't just want your spirit saved. He wants your soul whole. Praise the Lord. Second Peter, uh, 2 Peter 2, 7-8 through eight is kind of the last scripture along this line of, of avoiding the things that we ought to avoid. And I thought this was really, really good. It says, but God also rescued Lot out of Sodom because he was a righteous man who was sick of the shameful immorality of the wicked people around him. So if we stop there for a second, we see that, that Lot's heart was right. Lot, he, he wanted to follow God. But if we continue reading, it says, yes, Lot was a righteous man. Righteous man, praise the Lord. Who was tormented in his soul by the wickedness he saw and heard day after day. That tells me that our environment is going to have an impact on our soul. What we surround ourselves with has an impact on our soul. And praise God, if you're surrounded by something that's not so good and it's not of your choosing, he will keep you from it just as he kept Lot. But we ought to not put ourselves in situations or fill our lives up with stuff that's gonna cause war against our soul. And I, I mean, I could go down and give a list of, you know, this is gonna war against your soul, this is gonna hurt your soul, but I think we all know what things are good for our soul and what things are not, don't we? I mean, we we know what are heaven things and what's not a heaven thing. It's pretty apparent. I think it's very apparent. I mean, if something's of heaven or of earth, I mean you can just you can see it all over that. You you know what it is. And and so here too, we just see when. Maybe you're not even like living a worldly thing out. Maybe you're not living an earthly thing out, but maybe you've surrounded yourself with it or, or you've just let it come around you and passively said, yeah, it's all right. Yeah, they can do it. I'm not going to, you know, I'll stay righteous. Well, praise the Lord, you're staying righteous, but having that around you is still going to cause war against your soul. We see it with Lot. It says he was tormented in his soul by the wickedness. He saw and heard day after day. Saw and heard. It's not just what we see, it's what we hear as well. The words we surround ourselves with will have an impact on our soul. The, the music we listen to, the news we listen to, everything we put in is going to have an effect on our soul. And so we have to choose things of heaven and not things of earth. Amen. Uh, final step I have here to growing in soul stewardship is this? It's to arm yourself with soul tools. Things you can use to keep your soul well. Things you can work on your soul with. Uh, another way to do it would be to feed yourself with soul food. Anybody like soul food? The kind that just gets in there and it fills you up? Yeah, it's good stuff. Um, so talking about the tool example, I thought it was really interesting. If we read in Ephesians 6 about the armor of God. There's one piece in that armor that's the waist belt of truth. You know that, the waist belt of truth. Well, what I love about the waist belt being truth is the belt is where all your tools go. So what I see in that is what we determine to be true will determine what we carry with us. What is truth is going to determine what goes on our belt. So the things we believe to be true are the things we're going to carry. So if we determine that the Word of God is the highest degree of truth that there is, well, then that's what we're carrying. And we know that in that example of Ephesians 6, the Word is also called the sword of the Spirit, a tool that we're going to carry with us for every situation. And so truth is the Word. And and when we determine that the Word is true, we carry it with us. Another, kind of going off the other example here of, of feeding our soul with soul food, Um. Have you ever heard of Chicken Soup for the Soul? You ever heard of those, those books? They're kind of like poems or little stories or things like that. Well, I was thinking about that. You know, well, what if we just fed ourselves with Chicken Soup for the Soul? I had some chicken soup this weekend, and it was delicious. I mean, that's that's some soul food. Let me tell you, chicken soup, it fills you up. It makes you feel good. Tastes good. Praise the Lord for blessings like chicken noodle soup. Well, this Chicken Soup for the Soul in, in the book I'm talking now, I just thought about, you know, what it is. It's, it's these little sayings, little poems, these little stories and things that, I mean, they feel good. I thought, what if somebody just took that? Because I think there are people who, who just take stuff like that. They just take, you know, the feel good thing. Or maybe they watch a movie that you know, makes them feel good. Or, or maybe they read like full, a philosopher or something who has nice little sayings. Because today we have access to a wide range of, of things that we can feed our soul with. And the truth is, things like chicken soup for the soul or or philosophers, you know, I think universities, they give these philosopher quotes, Aristotle and Socrates and stuff. I mean, there's a soul feeding that happens there, but it's like giving your soul chicken broth instead of chicken soup. It's broth instead of substance. But the word of God is substantial. The word of God will fill you up and leave you satisfied and full. And ready to, to go out and live life in a successful way. And, and so I think we, we have to make sure that we always have a higher value on this, on the real thing, on the substantial thing, than we do on, on broth. Because you know? broth will taste good, you'll probably enjoy taking it in, but it's going to leave you empty in the end. And so I think there are other things we can feed our soul with, but we have to make sure we're getting substance in us every day. Substance in us, so that we're fed and strong and ready um, to steward our soul well. You know, it, I think when we don't do that, it, it's like we're starving. It's like malnourishment. If you just get broth and that's all you get, I mean, you're gonna you're gonna shrink down. Imagine an athlete like working out and only drinking broth. It's not gonna go well. They're not gonna end up big and strong and ready to like tackle every everybody that's out there. I mean, NFL players are huge. If they just drank broth, they'd be puny. And so we got to get substance in us or our, we're not going to have a whole lot of soul to to work with. We're not going to have a whole lot to manage or to steward because, you know, if, if, if we're not letting it grow and not feeding it so that it can grow. Well, we're doing we're doing ourselves a great disservice in that way. So we need to feed it with the word. Matthew 11:29 29 says this. Jesus said, follow my teachings and learn from me. I am gentle and do not have pride. You will have rest for your souls. So it's in the gospel, it's in God's word that we have rest and peace for our soul. That is our ultimate answer. The truth of the gospel is where we go. And so some tools for your belt. Now I've got got three scriptures I want to give you today. And, And this is where I just encourage you, kind of going off of the last point of feed yourself with something substantial. Read the word. Because I'm going to give you three scriptures here that have been tools for me that I've worked on my soul with but if you read the word for yourself you're going to find all kinds of scriptures that God has for you he, he will bring things alive as you read the word and you're going to say that's a tool for my belt and you, you can keep it with you you can put it in your phone you can highlight it in the word and then the next time you're like oh man, i got to do some work on my soul I'm feeling kind of down today my thought life isn't going very well today I'm struggling to keep my will in line with God's. Well, you're going to have a whole rack of tools to go to and say, I'm going to use this one. I'm going to work on my soul with this scripture. Because scriptures are our tools to work on our soul. And so 2 Timothy 1 verse 7 is the first one I want to give you this morning. It says, for God has not given us a spirit of fear and timidity, but of power, love, and self-discipline. See, God, he doesn't want us scared people. He doesn't want us afraid of everything. He's given us a spirit of power, of love, and, and self-discipline, of, of, of sound-mindedness is what the New King James says. A sound mind, a peaceful mind. And so like the other night, I keep talking about my dog here. It's probably the last time I bring him up today. But when he ran off, this is one of the scriptures I read. I said, my emotions are not doing very well right now. I'm feeling a lot of things that don't feel very good. But the truth is, God's not given me a spirit of fear, so I don't have to be afraid. I don't have to be scared of what's going to happen to Him. I don't have to be afraid of you know what the, what the possibilities can mean. I'm, I have sound-mindedness. I have peace in my mind because that's what God's given me. And, and the truth is, even if our flesh is the total opposite, I think that's usually how it works, is what our flesh nature says is totally the opposite of what God says. But when we know the word, we can take these things that are totally opposite and say, Well, I got a scripture for you, buddy. We're going to be okay today because God said. Let's look at another one Philippians 4, verse 8. It says, Finally, brethren, whatever things. This is like a pattern scripture. I mean, like if, if you don't know where else to start, read Philippians 4 verse 8. Because it, it covers like the whole range of mind, will, and emotion. Whatever things are true, whatever things are noble, whatever things are just, whatever things are pure, whatever things are of good rapport, if there's any virtue, and if there's anything praiseworthy, think on these things. So if your mind's going 100 miles an hour and it feels a little chaotic and a little crazy that day, if your feelings are all over the place and you're having a a tough time keeping them in line with with what God would say, just go through Philippians 4 verse 8. Use it as a checklist and say, is this thought true and noble and pure and, and love? Like, go through. And if it's not, well, quit thinking about it. Substitute in a thought that is. And you're going to be on your way to stewarding your soul. Praise the Lord. Last one. Hebrews 6 verse 19 says this hope is a strong and trustworthy anchor for our souls. It leads us through the curtain into God's inner sanctuary. The hope he's talking about here is the hope we find in Jesus, the hope that God has given us promises and God's promises, which we find all through the word. And that's why we got to read the Bible. To find the promises. When we find those promises, they're an anchor for our soul. There's something that steadies our soul. So when we're feeling like life is just crazy, we have something that keeps us grounded, that holds us steady. God's word holds us steady. God's promise holds us steady every single time. And so to steward our souls well, we have to grow in the tools that we have. You know, you, you can only build to the the capabilities of the tools that you've got in your hands. You know, I mean, if if you wanted to build a whole house, you're gonna need more than a hammer and a screwdriver. Probably, I mean, unless you're really, really good, then maybe you could do it, but you're probably gonna need a few more tools than that to get that kind of project done. Well, if you wanna build your soul to be the wonderful thing that God designed it to be, you gotta get a lot of tools. You're gonna have to go in here and start picking up tools, and say, "I'm gonna, I'm gonna take that one and put it in my belt. I'm gonna use that one this week when I'm working on my soul." See, it takes us growing in knowledge of the word, and then applying it in life, speaking it out when when we're feeling contrary to it. That is is where we grow in soul stewardship. And though, so, to recap um, today, because I'm I'm about done. Praise the Lord. <laughs> to recap. Three steps to growing in soul, soul stewardship. Um, get your mind in line with the spirit. It's got to start there. You got to get in line with spirit nature instead of flesh nature. Because when you do that, you give God the opportunity to work. You hook up to him as your, your power source. And then he can come into you and start changing things in life. Uh, step two is to stay away from the things that war against your soul. And And... You know, that, that's something where, again, I could, I could tell you, here's some things that are going to war against your soul. I think you probably already know the things that cause chaos in your soul right now. I think you probably already know the things that get your feelings all over the place or, or get your mind off of God. Uh, we know what those things are. And the point here is warning. Stay away. Don't go in there. And then step three is to grow in soul, soul stewardship. Arm yourselves with soul tools things that we can use to work on our soul when we need to work on our soul. Amen? Amen. Amen. I hope I hope this word was, was good for you this morning. I hope you're leaving equipped. Uh, I, I hope, um, you know, like I said this morning, it's applicable for you. I, I hope there's something in here that you can take and you can do something with it. Maybe, maybe you got one of those tools this morning where you can start speaking that. When you want to work on your soul. Maybe, maybe you saw a part in here where you hadn't seen it before. Maybe, maybe God, the Holy Spirit, started speaking to you about some things. Warning, avoid this. If He did, I just encourage you as you leave today, start doing it. Because that's where you're going to see change in your soul. That's where you're going to see peace in your soul. Calming through the week. That's where you're going to see your thoughts become God's thoughts. And, and, and your will become God's will. And your emotions the way you feel about things become more like how God feels it's when we apply this in our life and we know that it all happens because God is good and he's given us the grace to do it amen yeah. amen well let's let's uh, pray together this morning and then And then we'll dismiss and go. All right. Father God, we thank you for your word this morning. I thank you um, just that the truth is it's always so applicable for us. God, I thank you, Holy Spirit, that you've shown us things even today as, as I've spoken and as your word has been preached Uh, That there are things we can maybe adjust, we can take with us to be prepared to work on our soul when we need to. God, I thank you that we know our soul is something that's valuable by you. That you care about the condition of our soul. That the way we think matters to you. The way we feel matters to you. Our emotions, God, matter to you. Our will matters to you, Lord. We thank you for that word becoming true and alive inside of us where we know it and we believe it. Uh, Lord, I pray that as we go, uh, you would remind us through the week of this word and, and even beyond this week, God, Uh, We would be reminded of tools that we have, whether it's from this morning or from our past, God. Scripture, we've heard that applies to life, that we can use to calm emotions, to get our thoughts in line with you, to get our will in line with you, God. I, I thank you for the ability to be close to you, just as Jesus was when his soul was in anguish. God, I thank you that we can come to you in any moment and say, Father, here I am. I want to do your will. I want to be lined up with you. I want spirit nature and not flesh nature. And that you're always faithful. Always faithful, God, to bring us in, to be close with us, to reassure us. God, to calm our soul, to bring us peace when we need that, to get our thoughts on your thoughts, Lord. We know that it's, it's a co-laborer thing. It's us and you working together, God. We thank you that you always do your part. And, Lord, today as we go, we commit to do our part. Praise the Lord. And now while we're praying, if there's anybody in here who you don't know Jesus and you've never experienced God's power in your life before, I just want you to raise your hand up and that way we can pray together and and we can agree for salvation and new life, that new spirit nature that you may not have had before. Well, I don't see any hands and so that means we're all in line with this. We're all brothers and sisters of the same precious faith. We all have access to this power and that means we can all go out and do this. Praise the Lord, Lord. I thank you that you, you allow us to do this. You don't leave us in the condition that we once were, but you always have better things for us to go to. You always have better things in store for our future, even than what was in our past. We praise you for it, Lord. We love you, and we pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Well, praise the Lord. We'll go and be blessed. Make a difference in your life today. Make a difference in the people around you. You know, if, if this word... Wasn't even just for you. Then maybe it was for someone you know. Maybe this is something that someone you know needs to hear. You know, because there's a lot of lot of need for souls to be in better condition today. And so, if if this isn't something where you feel like you've got a lot of work to do, I guarantee you know somebody who does. And so, this is one of the ways we can lead people to Jesus. Is say, hey, you know, I know you've got a hard time with your thoughts, or I know you've got a hard time with your emotions or your feelings. I've got an answer to that. His name's Jesus. Praise the Lord. Well, you are dismissed. Praise the Lord. We love you guys. Is there anything else that I'm missing, Grandpa? No? Alright. Alright, go and be blessed.